Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. This is episode 154 of the Knowing God Podcast. And with this episode, we are officially wrapping up the book of Colossians. Now, we did do maybe 20 episodes or so, I think around Advent, but that means we've got about 130 episodes of slowly examining the beauty of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Four chapters, all about the sovereignty and sufficiency of Jesus, all laying out the beauty of what he has done all giving us a picture of what it means to live life with him, all pointing us to walk with him until the day that we are glorified with him. It has been a magnificent letter, and honestly, it's been a great encouragement in my own heart as I've studied it and worked through this for 11 of the last 12 months. But as I said the last few episodes, I am going to be hitting pause on any new episodes being released As we are now wrapping up Colossians, and there's been a number of other ministry needs in this last season, I need to take some time to refocus on a couple other areas. And again, to be honest with you all, this may be a break for a few months, or it may be the end of the podcast after this week. But either way, I'm really grateful that you've listened, and I honestly do pray that you've been encouraged in your walk with Jesus through these episodes. And lastly, let me say this. Although this episode is the end of Colossians, I'm going to do one final episode that will be released on Friday. That is Good Friday, which is a pivotal moment for our faith. And I'm going to wrap up the podcast with an episode coming out this Friday. So we got one more. Make sure you check that out. But for now, let's look at the final verse of our letter. This is Colossians 4, verse 18. I, Paul... Write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. The final verse offers a reminder of what Paul values, and it's a summation of his heart. As we start looking at it, notice the first sentence. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Scholars agree that most practically, that sentence points to the reality that he didn't probably write the rest of the letter. Now, don't let that freak you out. This was a common practice by many, Paul included, and it doesn't mean it's not from him. What most likely was happening is that he was talking these words and had a scribe do the actual writing. We see things like this in a number of different places. In 1 Corinthians, for example, he says the exact same phrase in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 21. So he was probably speaking the letter, and then he chose to sign his name at the end. Or in Romans 16, verse 22, we get the same idea when it says, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. So at that point, Paul doesn't choose to write the final signature in his own hand, but has the scribe who's written the rest of the letter finish it. And we also see in certain letters that Paul does actually take the pen and put it to paper, and he's writing parts of the letter. Now, neither are better than the other. Neither mean that one letter is more authentic. 
This was just a common custom when Paul was writing that he most likely was with a group of people, and oftentimes he would write, and oftentimes he'd have a scribe write the letter. But because it was from the voice and words of Paul, we do consider it authentically from him, even if he wasn't the one who always put the ink on the parchment. So there you go on that little bit. But what I want to spend our final few minutes thinking about is the last two phrases. And I think in these final phrases that, once again, can often feel like throwaway lines, wrap up the letter revealing two main values for Paul. Look at the very next phrase. Paul wrote, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. I've highlighted this in previous episodes, but that phrase, remember my chains, is literal for Paul. It's not metaphorical chains. It is quite literally the chains of imprisonment that he is currently in. Now, I said that this reveals a core value of Paul. So, is his value being imprisoned? Or is his core value suffering? You might think so, reading about his life and ministry. But I think the actual answer is one layer deeper. Think about this. Why is Paul imprisoned? Why is he in chains? In Philippians chapter 1, he clearly states that he is in prison because of his boldness and confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was his passion and preaching of the gospel that has landed him in prison. His chains are a sign that he values the gospel more than life itself. Okay, did we catch that? Let me repeat it. His chains are a sign that he values the gospel more than life itself. To remember Paul's chains is to remember that he values the gospel in such a way that life, suffering, inconvenience, trial, imprisonment, and even death itself does not carry more weight than the gospel. He is sold out, all in, giving his life and earthly freedom for this gospel. To remember Paul's chains is to remember his value and the weight he places on the good news of Jesus Christ. So simply, as we remember this man, so in love with Jesus, so captured by his glory, so zealous for his mission, who would go to prison and eventually lose his life for the sake of the gospel, as we remember that, it should make us ask, how much do I value the gospel of Jesus? I'm not saying that if you aren't in prison because of the gospel, you don't value it, so please don't mishear me. But I'm going to leave it at that for you to reflect that as you remember the chains of Paul for his value of the gospel, let it cause you to reflect today. How much do I value the gospel of Jesus? Let me leave it there and you can reflect and consider that with the Lord today. But let me hit quickly the last few words of the book of Colossians. Paul wrote, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Friends, don't miss this. Paul ends where he starts. The letter begins with this outlandish, majestic, almost unbelievable grace of God. And it ends with Paul simply saying, Grace be with you. 
Here's how Richard Mellick says it. In a sense, the entire epistle argues for the principle of grace, that God supplies his salvation freely, that he requires nothing but a trust in the work of his son Jesus, and that grace sustains the Christian's life. If grace is with them, they need nothing else. Our life, our salvation, our forgiveness, our union with Jesus, our growth, our hope, and our glorification, friends, all by grace. We are sustained and glorified by grace alone. So let me give you one final plea from Colossians. Please never outgrow your amazement of or your dependence upon the grace of God in Jesus Christ. You were initially saved by grace. You are being grown and sanctified by grace. And you will one day rise to glory in him by grace. Don't let it grow dull. Don't let it grow boring. It is all by grace that sinners like us have been forgiven of sin, washed clean, triumph over Satan and death, are made new, and are secure in eternal life. It is grace, grace, grace. This is why Paul is so passionate about the amazing gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. So friends, as you continue learning about God, growing in your knowledge and relationship with him, never forget that it is all about grace. Remember the chains of Paul and grace be with you. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace. Peace.